0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Win-Win Effect show presented by Winject Studios. Obviously, if you've been a fan of this show f- recently the probably past, what, what, was this, fifth season? Goodness gracious, Ms. Lynn, fifth season, fifth season of the Win-Win Effect. There's a lot that we talk about with emotional intelligence, and we have the right person to go down that deep rabbit hole, and where it does make an impact into companies, corporations, People, individuals, doesn't matter if and on a short term and then very long term, the longevity play of really getting a good feel about why people do what they do and what makes them tick. And, you, and it takes a real deeply caring individual. And that's something that's obviously one of your gifts that you're so deeply caring. And that makes them you're creating an environment for them to feel safe. To share more with you, and I, I really read that from you from our, our previous conversations. And a sh- little shout out to Justin Breen for this wonderful connection. He's a master connector, a very high level. Thank you again for coming on. Welcome to the show, Miss Lynn.
1: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm delighted to be here again, um, Chris. Yeah, I did have a great conversation before, and I look forward to this
0: one. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. You're on. You're on a little pod tour right now. I heard. Yeah, <clears throat> I am pod tour one a day getting people ready for the people going back to work with COVID, and i think that's something that you know definitely um i speak a lot passionately on is that where you can't really run a virtual business in in the productivity side and creating a really happy and one i guess creating an environment as a leader it's uh, ceos our jobs are putting people in a position to win and i feel that we're doing our staff a disservice. If we can open up the doors and allow people coming back in the doors of going into the workplace and creating that type of environment, we can go all the way down into this. The only question I usually typically ask people right at the beginning, just to give the listeners a little bit more context on who you are and what you're about. Say, for instance, I walked up to you at, I don't know, a restaurant Mm -hmm. and I just could hear your conversation. I'm like, wow, she's a really cool person. I want to know a little bit more in depth about more of a deeper idea about why you do what you do and what you do for a living. Mm
1: -hmm. Thanks. Um, What I what I do is I help companies to keep their clients and employees much longer than they normally would. And then replace them, which is always more expensive. And the way we go about doing that is doing some market research for clients and employees. But really finding it's like Pixar said, the slice of genius in every person. You know, we're only dealing with like two percent of our brain, five percent. It's very Mm -hmm. small. And we all have at least one slice and maybe more slices of genius. So I find it's helping. I can sort of see potential in people and people did that gift to me years ago um, and be able to see what they're, what, they're, what they're able to do. There was one client who had a, a young attorney um, join um, the company and in the um, management meeting, he didn't talk much. And afterwards, he would say a few things to me and I'd say, I'll call him Joe, i tell you that was really that would be really important for you to mention he said well you know harry always talks and he's an extrovert and he's the sales and i don't want to hear him And i said i don't think it's an option for you joe not to talk i mean you really mm-hmm. need to talk and that's part of your job but what you're telling me are things they need to know you know the sec could have issues and um mm-hmm. so we role played and i encouraged him and i said you know it's time for you to be heard and if joe really gets upset, you can just say, excuse me, Joe, let me finish. Oh, wow. And if he he keeps going, just excuse me. By putting one's hand up, most people, um, that says a lot more than, please stop. Just, excuse me a minute. Uh, Let me finish. And after two or three times, Joe didn't interrupt him anymore. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, teaching Joe, we don't interrupt. And Joe's going to be Joe, and he's going to do that how he's going to do it. What this man really needed to do himself was to do his job, speak up, regardless of what anybody else thought. Because I think when well, people are sitting around the table, you need to hear from every person. And if someone doesn't speak, I'll always say, "Well, you know, Bill, I haven't heard from you. What do you think?" And as I think, and that's where the diversity comes in, and putting more people around the table to get the incredible, innovative, um, you know, turnkey, radical changes that can be made, um, mm-hmm. so people can harness the very best inside
0: them for the company um, and for everybody to really win. Well, harnessing that in and embodying that as a company and corporation, it starts with an individual first. And I love that you like alluded to that. And you mentioned, I, I actually live and die by this kind of statement, especially in a high stakes conversation, Miss Lynn. Like, so say for instance, there's a lot of emotion there. I'm cutting you off. You're cutting me off. Tensions are starting to flare up a little bit. People think they need to raise their voice to get your attention and speak louder than you or the other individual and raising a decimal level. That's actually 100% what you're not supposed to do. You raise your language, hands. You could be eyebrows, could be eyes in person, body language, your presence, and also energy. But if you're raising your energy and it's like, listen, I'm drawing a stand. Yeah, no here's my foot and I might raise my hand like listen excuse me excuse me excuse me and sometimes I'll say their name over and over and over until they stop
1: we're standing up if someone mm. interrupt you stand up and everybody will be looking at you because you've changed your your, your, your physiology um, and you can also say you know let's take five and just stop the meeting because if if, if everything's flaring up um, for whatever reason but it's it's important to really make sure everybody gets heard. And you and I probably know, Chris, being extroverts, that we can tend to talk more than other people, the introverts. And mm-hmm. a lot of research has come out that they have some of the best ideas, but they don't share them. And um, I always invite them out and and, and to definitely share them. Um, and I had somebody the other day say to me, well, why do they even come to meetings then? And I said, oh, come on. Because they can listen to what you guys say. And then they percolate. They have a different processing. We have to honor. People are different. They're not all like us. So really, you know, after after with COVID and everything, people are coming back with a lot of emotion. And COVID's been emotional for everybody. It's been devastating in many ways. There's lots of loss. There's lots of grief. There's lots of changes. And there's lots of realizations. So people are not who they were. And give space for people to be different and not expect people to somebody said, say, well, they're just going to snap on back. And it's like, Snap on back to what? It's like, it took us, it took me at least time to realize how vast COVID was, how it was gonna change almost every aspect of our lives around the world. And it's not, now that at least it seems like it's abating a bit, but we have the Delta variant, people aren't gonna just like pop back. We're in process. So working with a lot of companies, having them really um, give the people time to process coming back, you know? I. I, I don't think it's wise to demand they stay remote or demand they come back. Have a conversation with each person, if possible, or groups or departments, and see what works and give people maximum flexibility. Um, you know, there was this study here um, that it was 68% of high tech people working remotely would not return to the office five days a week full time for an extra $30,000 in uh, compensation. Zero, none of them. So if, if two thirds are ready to walk out and leave, and you demand they come back, you'll have your very best—your millennials and Gen Zs, who who are very um, tech savvy, agile, can pivot, all that we need—and very resilient—walk um, out and go to another company. Because if you don't really care about your employees, you know, in my mind, you don't have a business. You know, you don't—you don't have a long-term business.
0: Well, it's not scalable either. You mentioned so much there, Miss Lynn, on creating the more of an environment for them to feel safe to come back. That's where I went to because I think that that's where people are missing the curve right there. They're saying, okay, they're just expecting and assuming in their mind that they're, of course they're going to want to come back to work. Why would they though? What can you put in place before they start to make the decision to come back to work? And how can you make it a little bit more enticing to them? Is that some of the things that you kind of like work on with these people is how to create the environment first before they even come to make that type of decision unless it's already projected onto them?
1: No, I think that's a great point. Um, My goal with clients is to make, to create an office that people want to come back and work in. So what um, a client of mine did is he took the first story of his office, a first floor, and you made it all into couches. It's a high-tech company. Couches, glass tables that would come up if you want to work on it. And half the people spent the whole day there. And they were far more productive. And the more people came in, as the word went out, like, no, it's different. We don't have the cub- cubicles up on other floors. You can have those if you want. But so people were sitting around talking, catching up. And productivity for the first three weeks was higher than it ever was pre-COVID. And and just talking and having people walk by and food delivered and just making it fun. You know, after COVID, cruel think we all want to enjoy what we're doing and have fun and feel like we're contributing something positive, making it meaningful. You know, people want to have their work to be, fulfill some kind of purpose inside them, some meaning. Because if you don't get, it, it, it we all have, I believe, um, the purpose we're here on earth um, to, to manifest, to create. And um, the research I've done that, at least if somewhere between 40 and 60% doesn't come from work, at least the millennials and Gen Zs will move on mm-hmm. um, because that's sort of part of their DNA. They're not as money focused as previous generations. Mm-hmm. So they're more about walking.
0: Why. why do you think that is?
1: Because many of them saw 9 11, the great um, recession, and then um, COVID. And they know, I mean, those are things I did not see, you did not see growing up, where the world could turn upside down. So they know bad things can happen. If you want to put it that way, and that um, some of their families um, the, uh, lost a lot in the Great Recession, so the idea of the next generation earning more, and they saw it was not that important, and and you can't really prevent it. Um, so many people lost you know, houses and a whole bunch of different things in the Great Recession, and you know, companies disappeared. So where in my world growing up, things seemed to be under control. You know, we didn't have these changes. So radically, and the economy collapsing. Um, so, the fact that I think all that could have happened, um, but I think with the especially with the millennials, they've seen two or three episodes of that in their short lifetime. Like my daughter, you know, she not did not want to watch um, January sixth. That's what's happening over here at the Capitol, and she said, "Mommy, that's really scary." I mean, she's 19 years old, and I thought it was scary, but not like I would articulate that, I thought it was concerning to me. But she walked away. She goes, I don't want to watch that. And I think for someone who's 19, she's now 20, it's like it's just too much to take in. You know, it's like they've taken in so much and this world can be so disruptive. And you die tomorrow and not be here. So you might as well live with me. You might as well be creating something you're proud of. And um, because the world is less secure than mm-hmm. ever before. And I think the workplace too. You know psychological right. safety is really important and that um i'm not sure existed in a lot of places prior to COVID. but after COVID, when people come in there's a lot of emotion and a lot of intention and feeling and want to make a difference and all and if they're stopped or not invited or not um you're not open to listening to them you'll lose them quickly
0: you mentioned open to listen somebody mentioned a lot there and i want to see if i can open that up just a little bit. Sure. And I have one question, and I'm not trying to get into a political conversation because mm-hmm. you know I try to steer away from that even if I do have the same views. Mm-hmm. But when, it, especially when it comes to media, I was reading a statistic the other day and they mentioned that the US media is the most untrusted media source in the world. Even with January 6th, you mentioned the storming of Capitol and even before that when the election was i was even fearful for my my parents back home because all the rioting, cuz i come from charleston south carolina it's not like i wouldn't say i wouldn't say that there's a lot of racism but there's a, i wouldn't say i'd say that's the right term to use i don't think there's a lot of violence pertaining to racism down in the south in charleston where they're from But then again, they were rioting and doing a bunch of stuff that was politically driven, I believe, by fear. And when you're projecting out fear into the world of a lot of uncertainty, you're triggering people that don't have a high emotional intelligence to take a deep step back and actually really get a bird's eye view of what the moving parts are and what's happening. And it could be by their family, their experiences, it could be by their environment, um, their community, like a project, other, like a product of their environment. So there's a lot of different moving parts there. And the reason why I framed it the way I did, all these moving parts, you can't control. So if you can't control it, what does that typically do to a human mind? Um, the,
1: um, uncertainty, anxiety, which brings in fear of the future. Am I secure? My family's secure? Are we going to be healthy? Are we not? Um, so when the future, I mean, I could say three months from now, I don't know where this country will be. I don't know where it's going to be going on in the Me world. You know, we don't. And and that was not true, I would say, even like three or four or five years ago. There was a little more security. And maybe it was false security. It probably was. But even now, I can't make up false security, you know, if I want to make it up for myself. It's, it's just, you know, I go a lot on um, what I feel in my gut, and what I um, feel in my body, and trust that there's wisdom there, and that um, it's, and that's what interacting with clients. Like people say, well, how do you do what you do? And it's, it's, you know, there's some energy that I read, I don't think to the extent that you did with the experience with your um, sister, but um, there's there's a way that I can tell how to calm people down? How to get? How to inspire people to open up? Create safety for them, and uh, I can't say exactly how I do that. I mean, it's 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 like um, there's a whole bunch of experience from my past that I think I'm I'm pulling on.
0: Yeah, especially with your sister, um, and not that to that bring up, yeah. So that's something we definitely share. Granted, different circumstances, but still amount of same pain.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. I. It's in it's in my story. But yeah, my younger sister was murdered. actually 31 years ago, and it has not um, been resolved. And she was the person I was closest to and loved the most. So it was um, devastating. Is like you know one one point one one percent of what I felt. It was like absolutely just crushing, and um, I had to bring myself back from that because she and I planned the future together. We were going to work together. We we're to, our kids are going to be together, and she was gone and she's 32. And um, so how to create a life without her and then how to create my life and create a life of joy and create a life of um, positivity and optimism when that was totally, you know, the police said she was one out of 10 million people with the odds um, per se for her. So um, when the impossible happens, impossible things can happen, both good and bad. But, uh, and that's given me the strength to know that really whatever happens in my life nothing will take me down. And that's what I really mm-hmm. learned, that if my sister's murdered, do not take me down, nothing will. And I really get that a lot from my um, family of origin with my, um, my father who had some um, very poor childhood and um, he was the only one that went to high school. Really at nine years old, he looked around and he was the youngest. All of his other brothers and sisters, he deduced they're not gonna help mom. So he started mm-hmm. supporting his mother from when he was nine years old. Um, and never complained, just did it, was happy. Um, never complained about anything in his, really. I, I mean, I look back on it, it's like, he never complained. Um, and he was just very happy. He loved his work, he loved his family. Um, he loved being a dad, he loved being a husband. And, and I don't see it that lightly, like he really did. He would come home from work, you know, singing and happy. And I always thought work is fun, Chris, you know, it's like we go in on Saturdays as little kids and um, uh, put the intercom on and hear our voices throughout. It's like, ooh, this sounds really cool. And it was like, work and life is fun. That's what I learned from my parents. We traveled a lot. You know, they'd say, try this, try that. You know, try that food. Try d- dance and salsa. Try, you know, learning the tango. Why not? And so I think of life as fun. Life is to be enjoyed. And, you know, I had different careers I had. And someone said, well, how did you know when you didn't want to be there? And said, well, when, when it wasn't fun and I was a challenge, it was time to move on. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, I mean, I'm not going to, well, that sounds so dreadfully boring if, if I wasn't having fun and if I wasn't being challenged, if I could just know the answers real quickly to a situation. I want you know all parts of me and all levels to really be challenged. Because I want to bring that all forth for, for myself and my life as well as for my clients.
0: You know it's really difficult to be angry with an individual that has an optimistic outlook in life. That's part of what makes you great, Miss Lynn. Mm-hmm it's kind of like you can't be upset with you when you always have a smile on your face. And I can't, I'm not going to, I guess, get in a get a rise out of you in a negative side. Does that make sense? It's kind of like my mom used to say, my granny actually used to say this rest her soul. She said, like, you give someone an excuse to mess with you, they're going to mess with you. And if you don't check them that one time, they're going to continue to keep doing it. And they're going to use you as an outlet to get an amusement or deflect or dump trash on you kind of thing and I'm paraphrasing here but you get my point if you give off the impression or you give off the I guess the 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 type of energy where you can dump your trash on me you can kind of upset me you can curse at me you can treat me like shit but you don't do that to some certain people that have a optimistic outlook in life because it's like I can't penetrate their internal dialogue how did you get there how did you get there
1: well there's a few steps i can remember my first client uh, when i started my company i was out at his office in california and he's a tall man and he walked by and had a folder and he whacked me in the butt and i remember thinking
0: mm. how long ago was this
1: this was uh, like 1991
0: Okay. Yeah. Different age, right? Yeah.
1: And I remember stopping and saying, Oh my God, I really need him. But I said, no. And I turned around and I'll call him Harry. And I said, Harry, look at me. I said, don't you ever do that to me again. He said, Oh, yeah. yeah. I said, no, stop. Don't you ever, ever do that to me again. Thank you. And he's been like my biggest fan.
0: It's at that one time.
1: What it is is, you know, he, he acted totally inappropriately i met him with the same clarity and the same power and the same force appropriately but stopped him and it happened to be in front of his employees which i've not set up i would not have chosen that but i could not let that go because um and maybe maybe it happens to the other employees but um you know he's still to this day my biggest raving fan i mean it's 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 just interesting um so i think in not being angry um i think yes Creating a safe place for people. If you, if there's a lot of unresolved anger, people pick up on that, and they probably can set you off pretty quickly. Um, and I think the opposite is true. If one has resolved anger or, or knows how to deal with it, or whatever, um, and not just anger, but it can be sadness, it can be a lot of feelings. Uh, and that's where the emotional intelligence comes in. You know, how can you use emotions to create what you want? You know, not just push down, because you don't want to push down, but express in a positive way, in a forceful way, if you need to, what you need, what you want, and be heard and respectfully. As, as far as I'm concerned, there's no need for anybody to ever raise their voice at work. There's no it, it's bullying. It's intimidating, even
0: at home, even at home,
1: too. I mean, I've,
0: it's not it's, it's not acceptable. And I'm, I, the reason why I mentioned this, because there was a lot of things that I've had to overcome in my life, even especially with the people that are closest to me, because I learned from my father, you mentioned your dad, he, my grandpa, he passed away. I think I was, I think I was eight. I think I was about eight years old. He was sweet man with me, but he was an asshole, right? For the lack of better terms, asshole, like horrible guy. Like he drank, you know, it was very verbally and physically abusive with all his children and my my grandmother, my granny, uh, my my well, girl grandma. Um, Sounds like we had similar uh,
1: similar grandfathers and grandmothers
0: too. Mm. My dad has done an, a phenomenal job with me growing up. Granted, there was a lot of verbal outlashing, not to hurt me, to help me not get hurt i guess you would say and we what and now i understand because i have a high emotional intelligence and working on that muscle is something you have to work on is a skill it comes from fear every time that he would get angry it came from fear he was free he was afraid of something when he was afraid of something he would verbally outlash to get my attention but then it's funny is that later on in life i realized that i don't i don't get motivated if you kind of like came to me with a calm voice you're not going to motivate me it's not going to happen. That's me being prior military as well. When I went to boot camp, I was laughing him. I was like, this is what you got. This is it. Like, And the a point I'm making, a little bit later on in life, without, before I started putting a lot of work in of like this human psychology, the biology, the difficult conversations, the point of view conversation that goes on in your brain, the egotistical conversation, the emotional conversation. And most people, they don't understand even what emotion is. It's just energy and motion. What you do with it, that's based upon your proclivities potentially. And also those opinions turn into habits. But that comes from a belief from something. Do you start investigating that belief and where you learn that belief? Then you figure out the secret of life. Now, I know this, I was able to do it tactively in business, but I couldn't do it in my personal life because I was too emotionally attached to whatever that was. And that comes from pre-programming and I know this is more of a long-winded, I'm just giving listeners more context because I haven't really talked about this publicly a lot. But when I learned how to really investigate where I learned my negative flaws, I was like, now I understand. I was like, shit. But then I went back to my dad and I didn't, you can't correct your father, but you can educate them. And I would say, I know why you're angry and I get it. I get it. You're afraid of this, but you don't have to use that language and you don't have to speak to me this way. And that calmed him down. Then my dad's looking at me on a different level. And I'm sure that it's probably something similar. That's something that I do and I try to educate rather than confront first. Would you say that that comes intuitively first? Or does that come with you gaining more knowledge? When I let like, you you read a book, I think it comes from more of your gut.
1: I think it comes from your gut from experiences. I'm not sure little young kids have that. It's life experience of knowing how to handle situations. When, what to say, how to stop, how to how to motivate, um, how to handle emotions. You know, basically, it's just energy going through you. So if you, if I just let it go like a cloud, somebody said, it's like, oh, there goes fear. You know, mm-hmm. there goes anger. Just let it go. Don't don't catch it. Um, but that for me, that's all been life experience. I learned that I was not. I, I did not have that as a child growing up. That kind of uh, yeah, and and maybe some do. I haven't met yeah. any, but
0: maybe some do. Perhaps. I mean, that would be something that I would like to investigate a little bit more. And I have seen in today's world people being a little bit more open to having difficult conversations with children. Because that that programming and that conditioning at a very, the adolescence when they don't understand, that will set them up for failure or set them up for success, in my opinion. Even when I look at my older sister who was handicapped, I didn't understand it, what I felt. So I came, I actually ended up developing a habit of protecting myself because you people think your brain is there to think and all that stuff. Your brain's there to keep you alive. That, so when you understand that first, your brain is there to keep you alive. It's not there to contextualize and start figuring things. No. We are in a digital world with a stone age brain. Oh,
1: I like that image. I think that's very, that's very accurate.
0: So what does that mean? How do you, and I try to teach that first before I even try to communicate or articulate the message over to them? Is that something you kind of like? I wouldn't say really teach, but is that something that you kind of like sprinkle a little bit knowledge? Because if you come in too hot with that, they're going to be like, yeah, whatever. She's speaking bull crap, that mumbo jumbo stuff.
1: Well, one of the things I talk about is um, how to widen our perspective of everything. So doing things uncomfortable every day. And if um, what I do with a group of people is just have them clasp their hands and look and see if the right thumb is over the left, the left is over the right, and then have them unclasp and do it the other way. And it'll be like, oh, that's real uncomfortable. That's wrong. It's like, well, there's no right or wrong way. It's just how you can do it. And so what that is is a normal pathway in your brain. And um, and people do it real quickly. And then when they do it the other way, they tend to undo it because it's uncomfortable. And what happens there, since we probably have never clasped our, brain it, our hands in a different way, the brain says, oh, I checked all the records. You've never done this. This may be fatal. I don't know what to do. I'll give you a shot of adrenaline. Danger, we're, danger, we're, 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 danger. Right? Yeah. It doesn't show reality. It's not in charge of re- it's in charge of keeping you safe. And if you've never done something new, it doesn't know what to do. It's giving you a shot of adrenaline. And what I think's happened a lot during COVID is almost daily we are doing things we're not comfortable doing because all of our routines were vastly changed.
0: It's out of whack. I think the first month of just me I wouldn't say using my emotional challenge. It's just me observing first. They're all in shock for the first month. And then after that first month, 45 days, then everything's sort of settling in. And they're like, you know what? This is bull shenanigans. And then now you're going to see their true colors. And I don't like to use that term often, but you'll see their subconscious programming. And that's where you, you apply a lot of pressure on someone, Miss Lynn, you'll find out who they are. Absolutely.
1: And what I think a lot of people coming back to work, you're going to see them more angry.
0: That's my point. That's where exactly where I was going with it. You're, you, you are really good. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. Please go ahead.
1: So they're going to be, they'll say, we are never that angry before. They may seem sad. They may seem depressed. They may seem withdrawn. Someone mm. may seem like the more aggressive. You know, you're know, you going to see people acting differently because everybody's experience in COVID has been different. And mm. But the emotions are going to be much more on the surface. than if people are not really skilled in emotional intelligence, in how, how to, I mean, only a third of us in any given moment, Chris, even know what we're feeling. Let's just start there. So okay. you say, yeah, what are you feeling? Most people like, I don't know, what are you feeling right Yeah, at work, and at work you're not supposed to have feelings, right, so you ask them over, where are you feeling? It's like, um, nothing really. It's like, that's called numbing That's called like checked out as far as I'm concerned. So how do you get people to feel alive, to feel vibrant, to feel, juice to feel you know pumped about working and how do you make it safe so they can express anything in the way of that or express some feelings that will get them there whatever you know they need to say and that's it's 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 gonna be i this next couple of years i think it's gonna be just a real um stormy time for a lot of businesses people you know our world in essence just because there's so much COVID stirred up the gift of COVID, i hope will be is that it it's empowered employees to know how valuable they really are and that they'll speak up more for what they want, hopefully in appropriate ways. I think, I hope companies are willing to really care about their employees. And what that means is you're willing to invest in them to develop because they want to know, as we all want to know, that we're going to be employable two years, five, seven years from now. I mean, nobody really knows, but give me the best chance. Let me be on the leading edge of whatever we're doing. Let me be out there. And um, so if people want to take sabbatical for a couple months or they want to take some online courses during work, let them do it. You know, if they want to be home from 3 to 5 because that's when the kids get home and they work from home for another couple hours in the evening, let them do it. I mean, as long as the work gets done, let them do it. Who cares? right? And let them mix it up. Be flexible with each person if possible because you try to push people in a hole Maybe that worked before a little bit. I'm not sure it ever worked really well. You can get really highly innovative, creative, motivated, problem-solving people, um, but know that everybody's experience has been different. And some people, as you said, it took a month for people to come out of shock. It's going to take time for people to get back. It's going to seem surreal to get back in the office. You're seeing these people again. Um, they look different. You know, some grew beards, some had haircuts, some grew a little heavier, some grew a little skinnier. I mean, who knows? Um, so. It's not the same. People say, well, I want to go, we want to go back. It's like, there's nothing to go back to. And I've, I've had some people tear up with that. It's nothing to go back to. We're in a new, create the future because if you don't create it, someone else will. And you might as well.
0: The universe will put it, what you don't pay attention to and what you don't address will come and force you to address it.
1: It'll probably smack you right in the face, mm. in my experience. Whatever okay. I want to avoid will just like, oops, nope, can't avoid it. Every time. Yeah. The other thing I'd say, when I've, um, uh, I want to talk about a friend of mine, Scott Jones, who meant to voicemail. And, he's, uh, and he really didn't invent voicemail. Um, and he, when I told him about doing two things uncomfortable, he always takes it to another level and he does 10 things uncomfortable every day. And he's been doing this for 20 some odd years. And so he, he has, I walk down the street, he sees things I don't see just because his, his view is so broad and his experiences in life. Um, and after 20 years of doing 10 things uncomfortable, you have to do some pretty bizarre things. And um, he did one where he went out and he wanted to know how long he could hold a his birthday cake out of a helicopter. Like, why? He says, I, I may learn something from it, you know? And a lot of it stuck to his hand. He was a little bit surprised. Doesn't know where it's gonna go in his brain because he's an inventor, a serial entrepreneur. Um, another thing he does, which I think would help helps lots of people is to um, come up with multiple solutions to problems.
0: There it is. That's right. I I knew exactly where you're gonna go with that. Love this, keep going.
1: His biggest, whatever his biggest personal professional uh, problem is every day, he comes up with at least 20 solutions. And I remember when he told me this, I said, why 20? He said, well then, you know, the first three, four, five, everyone's gonna come up with, I mean,
0: the most obvious, right? most obvious, right.
1: And he said, even the first 10, you may get some different ideas, but nothing that fantastic. He said, once you get around 15, 16, 17, take a little bit of number three and eight and 11, 14, and you combine. It's like, wow. And I do that twice a week now. Um, um, I'm not as disciplined as him. And, um, and what I think is our school systems have done a disservice to us and our children is when they say, you know, so what's the right answer? You know, and, and the way that
0: there's no right answer, no, there's no right answer.
1: And so why wasn't I challenged even in college or law school to say, okay, come up with 20 solutions, come up with 20 options, and then we'll talk about it. And that's what I force clients to do, come up with multiple solutions. That feels freer. And come up with, and Scott will come up with 50 at times so if something's really important. Push down into our creativity, push down into our soul, into our being, to whatever he believes inside you. And you'll be amazed at the ideas that come out. And that would you come up with a solutions, which, whoa, it's like, I used to not think I was very creative. It's like, I am extremely creative.
0: You mentioned it right at the beginning, Miss Lynn, that you were only utilizing 2% of our brains.
1: On a conscious level, unconsciously, there's more going yeah, on.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes.
1: But right, we're not, we're not pushing ourselves. I mean, I think we're going to be looked upon as Neanderthals, you know, 20 years from now, like, ah, um, They were. And
0: we're, we're in a very exciting time. I think it's, I'm excited. However, most people think they're in a very scary time. So what's the difference?
1: Well, I took this workshop once. I've taken lots of workshops. But we weren't allowed to say that we're scared. Um, Because scared and excitement, same physiological things happen in the body. So I would feel what what I was labeling as scared and start saying, I'm just really excited. I'm really excited. And in two or three times, I would say it. I'd start feeling excited so it may sound a little corny but the same physiological um experiences happen that our pupils will dilate the blood pressure goes up our heart rate goes up if we're scared or excited you know the same people the example given to me is if you go to um um amusement park and if some people love roller coasters some hate roller coasters i'm not a fan but those who love roller coasters this is their experience they drag somebody else with them and they, they get on the roller coaster they're getting like oh my god the line's the line so long you know and Okay, so they're waiting, they're going, What's and they get in there, and they, 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 they put down the bar, and then it goes chug, 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 chug. And they had the same experience where they it goes down, their belly goes into the throat, goes whoops around a few corners, goes up and down. They like, go, oh my God, that was so short. Now, the other person's experience is they get in the line. They go, oh my God, this line is so short. We're going to be on there in no time. And when they get on there they put the bar down, they go, oh my God, I'm going to die. I, I, I'm not going to survive. I'm just not going to survive. And they go up. And the same physiological, their belly goes into the throat. It goes around. It's like, I, I'm not going to make it. I'm mean, going to barf, whatever. Comes to the end and says, that was so long. Now, it was the exact same experience. What did our what did our past, what did our brain, what did, what made two people, their body, going through the same exact experience, have two different experiences? It's their, I'll say, where our, our hardware's, Great, but our software's got glitches, you know, yeah. in life. There's, there's glitches. So uh, unless if there's some reason for me to be scared about something, I usually choose the excitement
0: because it's a, choice.
1: it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a
0: choice. We we make we make over twenty, I think it's twenty to thirty thousand choices consciously or unconsciously every single day. Most of those are meaningful, like what color socks should I wear with this shirt? What side of bed should I get out on? Should I uh, comb my beard? Should I not comb my beard? Should I comb my hair? No hair, right? Should I wear contacts? Should I wear glasses? Should I, cause now I'm thinking, right? So here's the thing about most people don't understand. And I would love to hear your viewpoint on this. You can't think and be at the same time. Impossible. And I challenge people. The human mind aroused by The existence for meaning finds nothing and seeks nothing but contradiction and nonsense. So when you're, the human mind aroused by the existence for meaning, like meaning of something, finds and seeks and finds nothing but contradiction and nonsense. You're not going to find the answers there. How can you find the answers? If you are being, just be your intuition will tell you.
1: Yes. But we're a society of
0: human doing. Yeah, there it is. That's what I was looking for. Perfect. Keep go keep going. I love this. I love that you're the first person that has spoke and went that way and not been defensive. The the reason the reason why I say that is you're going to instantly go into your subconscious. You're going to when I was talking, you were already in your head. Is it true? Is it not true? Is it true? Like, does it make sense? That does make sense. Logical sense. But if you're thinking, it's kind of like the counter react to it. If I told you to think you're only going to find nothing but nonsense. But if I told you just to be, that was the first time that someone's actually took a breath and saw the other way of looking at it. So keep going. I love, thank you so much for that. Mm,
1: My pleasure. It's a, I was a human doing it, doer, and that's really how I survived my sister's murder, was just a alcoholic, um, and much better than other ways. Um, and, um, and someone once said to me, you know, I think we're supposed to be human beings, like be. And I didn't think that was enough, in some ways. And someone shared with me, I went to this one workshop, and uh, someone said, you know, Lynn, when you're not there, I don't feel as safe, and I'm thinking, huh. Like, my just, I say, is that because I say something? They go, no, just you standing in the room. The fact you're in the room feels safe. And I heard that from three or four people different times when I sort of stopped. I wasn't as active. And I had to accept, which was sort of hard because it wasn't when I was brought up, that my being is enough.
0: Oh, I love that. You
1: know, my being, my being in a room, my being with my daughter, my being with my family, my being with my friends, my being with my clients. I mean, I've got just some action there, but just, being with them there's something that well there's a lot of things that are communicated on other levels and that's the being and I don't think we're really good in this society of how to nurture and bring out that being and or or just or just allow ourselves to be it's It's
0: a muscle it's a muscle
1: it's a muscle Because it's not being is not lazy being is a conscious for me it's really conscious like I am being I'm just like when I'm meditating
0: I'm just being. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the trick though. Like, see, that's what most people I was watching a documentary trying to cut you off. You know, those ear you put on that where you can't hear, remember going to the hearing test and you can't hear anything like noise ordinance, right? If you people have to put that on to meditate. Oh wow. And that lets you know how noisy their mind is. Like their subconscious mind is really like there's a there's something going on. There might be a circus in their mind going on right now. So think about this concept overall. When my favorite time of the day is the nighttime and in the morning. Right when I start getting uh, like fatigue and tired. But I'm also in a routine of what I do before I go to bed that programs my mind to be tired. So think about this: Your frontal lobe, which you all know about. That conscious and unconscious part of your brain that turns the light switch off. People think that light switches off and your brain's not working. <laughs> it's it's working it's working overtime. Now, I called it a librarian. The librarian is in there filing information. Do, 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 do. Most people are dealing with traumatic experiences or numbing their pain with alcohol, drugs, whatever that might be for them, maybe being distracted, watching TV. I used to be the guy that had to have a TV on or radio on to go to sleep. What did that what does that tell you i had some issues common because i used to do it when i was a kid i used to be in my room with headphones on going to sleep and listening to music okay i, I refused to be alone i refused to be alone in my own thoughts because that was a scary place for me i didn't want to be alone in my own thoughts because if you get it's kind of like what is the old saying idle hands the devil man's playground something. I'm the kind of individual, since I was a kid, my foot would hit the ground in the morning. I was gone. But that was conditioning as well. That was conditioning as well. Everything that we know about life is conditioning and projection. Everything, even the English language, I'll prove it to you. And I haven't even, I don't think I'm, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Holy crap. Because you get it. So the word information, slow it down. Information.
1: Right, your information in, in um, the, st- the structure.
0: Yes. So I'm giving, I'm sharing information, but if I say it fast enough, you don't catch it.
1: That's
0: true. I never heard that. Wow. Information. I'm putting you information and giving you instructions, mm. I'm projecting and telling you what to do. So what happens when you're talking or speaking with a staff member and your delivery might be off and you're trying to put them in formation, but you're not even cadence. And what is cadence? Synchronize. Information, right? In formation, getting cadence. Now we're doing what? We're going off that one beat. So that's my philosophy. One heartbeat, one mission, one outcome if i get everybody into alignment with that core message on what we do and why we do it and how we go about doing it with everyone winning you can you now this longevity people would much rather come work with me than for me so what are you that's a, that's what i challenge in people and CEOs and you're talking about corporate you're talking about $100 million earners I challenged them. Because like, when was the last time you challenged your staff and when was the last time you challenged yourself? Are you doing enough? You, no one's going to talk about what you did last week. No one's going to talk about what you did last year. What are you doing right now? Oh, we did this. We did this. We Especially the higher level companies are the most screwed up.
1: Well, I think the larger the company, usually the people at the top are so isolated from what's going on with customers on the front line that they don't of wow. the world. And what I tell you, it's amazing, when I've done market research, and I'll do the senior management, middle management, and frontline employees, The front and, and customers, the frontline employees and customers line up almost perfectly. Like, their realities are the same. Middle market's a little closer, and senior management, there's huge gaps. You know, 30, 25 to 35% gaps of, of perception of reality. So, um, there's nothing wrong with it, it's just, if reality is the customers, which I think that's the reality, um, senior management, you know, speaking with uh, people on the front line to learn, you know, what are the new products or services and what do they need and, and and get far out, you know, have have amazing brainstorm sessions. Um, and, and there's another thing, too, I want to say about introverts, you know, to have, I do, I when I do a bunch of brainstorming, I do this thing called a two-minute think tank, which is like two minutes, you just think and write as many b- responses as you can. Introverts will have a whole long list. Extroverts, like myself, I'll have one or two things one one-on-one hey three-on-one a small group like i'm alive extra risk pull back so i want everybody to have a way that they can put out their ideas and then to vote on it and um and allow people to come up with you know every idea is great more options the better you know more options the better and um allow people to uh say things that they wouldn't feel comfortable normally to say and somebody's the, you know scott's got a motto the wackier the better you know, you bring it
0: be down to reality. I what would you say may not happen, but if it's really out there, hey, that potential. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna. Oh, this is gonna be great. You're an uncommon thinker.
1: I think I, I I would I think so.
0: I'm an uncommon thinker, and that's why I know this. We have uncommon results. We have uncommon relationships with people we never thought we would ever have. And we have uncommon actions and lives. Yes, hundred percent because we look at life a little differently than most. I'm grateful for everything. And that comes from that conditioning or it could become from my own perception of my own experiences in a way that I felt with pain with my sister. I'm telling you, like I'm on a different level right now. I feel like my inner body, my essence of me, I don't even know. I feel light. And what that is basically, and I'm testing the universe of me communicating it. There's nothing going to be, you can't beat me. There's nothing that I'm going to set my eyes on, my sights on, that I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to go after that. There's nothing you can hit me with because my internal dialogue right now is something else because now I know, I I know how to protect my source. I wasn't protecting it before Lynn. I wasn't. When did you make that? Did you make, was it a conscious decision for you to create some boundaries around what makes you just, you just light up, you light up rooms. You're not even in the same room right now, and you light me up. This is a second time.
1: Um, gosh. Um, I think it was after my sister's um, murder. And um, I had a dream where she came to me. And yeah. she said, um, I left everything to my husband, but I left you my joy. And the best thing you can do for mom and dad. And she had Tim of old son, and yourself is to live a life of joy. And my sister was very joyful. And it felt like when I woke up, it, it I felt this um, enlivened feeling, and I feel it as um, I don't know. It's like it's like I have I have a I you know if there's if most people would say I have a hundred um, watt battery, I've got like a two hundred watt battery.
0: Like, I feel the yeah. same because you you, were, you know why? Because you recycle energy.
1: I, yes i do okay i, I will do this. well yes because i love i can't wait to go out and see clients in their office you know it's just like the idea of staying at home it was, it it's a great like oh my god it's like oh but you know I, I found ways to deal with it and zoom dinners with people and, and and all that so i think you know that that was part of it the other part is um what i want Yeah, you know, it's like when i die I mean, if I were to die tomorrow, I have any regrets. I live life that way. I, I dated a man years ago and he was a respiratory therapist. And he says, When people are dying, Lynn, nobody talks about the work, or the wish they had done at work. It's all about the opportunities they to take with the people that they loved and cared about. So from that moment, I made the decision that I was going to tell all the people. Like my sister, we just really loved and adored each other. So she knew how much I loved her. There's nothing left unsaid uh, between us. So you know that sense of peace was 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 very good. And um, and also just you know I want to live life hundred percent. You know, doing anything fifty percent is like blah. It's like mediocre. It's like I demand for myself, I expect for myself. Oh that's good. my very best. Every day I can say I do my very best. I put oh, everything God. I have, all the resources inside, external to me, whatever, to do the best for myself, for my clients. Because I want I want to live myself big, not not big putting other people down, but I want all of me to be available and out there. If people, you know, if, if the client likes it or not, or prospect does, or you know, whomever, it's like I am who I am. I mean, it. it I don't. You're not seeking you know, approval. No, I, I, yeah, you know, I don't. To, on some extent, I learned like years ago when somebody said, you know, it's really not your business what other people think of you.
0: It, really, it's, none of your, it's none of your business, and those conversations aren't had around you usually.
1: No, no. And you know, if someone doesn't want to be around, fine. I, I don't want them to be around. There's another group of cluster of people who vibrate at their same level, who talk at their same level, and that's great. That's where really, that that's better for them, and it's better for me to be around people who like you and like other people who are, I'll say, more enlivened, more juiced, more um, in touch with more parts of themselves, willing to. Challenge, you know. uh I'm very different than I was when I was an attorney on at Arthur Anderson. That's for sure. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm
0: very, I'm very different than I was a second ago.
1: I don't know if I say I'm very different. I'm, I'm but okay, I, I may get there.
0: But but what the point I'm making with that is not to make a drastic statement. That could be the last moment of my life. So in this, it, arguably. If that could have been my last moment of my life, but no one knows, it could have been like that, could have been lights out. And if you're living in the world and holding space of until you're able to give your last breath and that last little air in your lungs, I know when I go meet my creator and I see, you know, Sue Ellen, my, my older sister that passed over, I probably won't see her as a physical person. I'm not sure. I never made it to the other side, but I know that I will feel her presence. Because that want that presence that you felt with your sister, it's something you. It was intuitive. It was, it was something different, and I don't cry of um, pain anymore, or like you know what I mean. I, I used to. There was a time that I couldn't talk about her. Now I speak about her like it was like I wear her name like a badge of honor. Like a badge of honor. I was doing um. You ever done havening, like um, like with hand, like touch. Like it's kind of like you know how you do therapeutic stuff. Like Reiki? Bur- or- kind of, but it's like more of like you're doing a touch, like hands, or you're doing this, but not more like Reiki. It's different, different. Anyways, the point I'm making with that is that, um, when you're doing havening, you're tricking your brain. Of actually touching, feeling something different than what your brain is telling you to feel—it's actually it's pretty interesting. I really didn't believe it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send you. I know the I know the guys that obviously do it. Okay. <clears throat> Just remind me, please, um, and I'll have I'll, and I'll have my staff to make sure they remind me too when they talk about this. But when you're doing that, you're you mentioned something at the beginning. I want to do 20 things different or 10 things different, or you're changing a neurochemistry in your mind. And your in your neurons are starting to fire and rewire itself. Brushing your teeth, with the other hand.
1: Yep, no, neuroplasticity. I mean, our brains they can be remolded, recircuited, Exactly.
0: When you're so tired, and this is my point I'm making. When you are tired, I'm talking about like at a point to where you're exhausted, mentally exhausted. Your subconscious mind is going to play tricks on you because that's when you're the most in that moment because you're not really that conscious no shit. <laughs> i'm trying to find it okay so i have a beard comb like this so every once in a while my i don't my beard used to be longer but now it's like shorter right but i'm getting it long i'm getting it long again okay so my beard sometimes it curls up at this length so I was so mentally exhausted the other day and so tired, not from work. I went out. And when I went out, I had a lot of meetings off site and I started being an entrepreneur again, a real entrepreneur. <laughs> but socially interacting. I came home this land. I was so freaking drained. Like my, I, I wasn't feeling it. Carolyn, you know, Carol, you just saw Carol before this. I was so out of it. But I was here. So I was combing my beard, and I was watching something, and I was like typing, and I did this. Oh, wow. wow. Do I? Do... <laughs> and I used to part my hair on my right side.
1: Wow. You went back to something.
0: I was like, I caught myself. And I took a step back, and I was like, that's really interesting. I mean, have you ever thought about like, like even stuff like, you know, the people like, um, I'm probably military. So, um, unfortunately I've, I've no people and I bled with and whatnot. They, they would be in a really poor situation and lost a limb. And sometimes they still wake up in the middle of the night sc- trying to scratch their leg or whatever that limb, your mind's powerful. Don't take it for granted. Stop, I guess, numbing your pain or trauma, unresolved issues, and feed it the right information. Feed it the right tender loving care. You love if you love everything else out there, why don't you love yourself and take care of yourself like food brain? Like you remember that morning my mom used to hear me like here, you better eat breakfast, you gotta wake up your mind. And it's true. Is that some of the things that you talk about, even the smallest things like that, of how to feed your brain the right information or right, I guess, giving it the right tender, loving care to create the environment for them to intake the right amount of information?
1: Yeah, I, I, I caution people about um, getting um, too attracted to and spending too much time with negative information. If it's the news, if it's just depressing things that going on in their life, it's like you can spend some time thinking about that. But if you want to come up with good ideas, if you want to be stay motivated and feel um, really pumped and alive, it's what you put in that's important. So, yeah, food to some extent, yes, but the thoughts, the quality of the thoughts, the depth. I mean, for me to have a, a deep conversation with somebody um, is just so nurturing for my brain. You know it's just it's just like they I've, I've come home it's like there's just a way that I get them they get me and it's um, I mean, as you know it doesn't happen all the time it's not it's not really that common most I mean it is it's not that common and most people you know are you know it happened after my sister's murder I really didn't care about that conversations. I don't want to waste my life on something that really didn't mean something to me why am I gonna be talking about you know, sports or weather or whatever. It's just like,
0: I get tired for that.
1: It's like, that's, I don't want to live my life. I want to live my life with some purpose some meaning making a difference for the people on the planet and this planet and business and employees and get people really juiced and pumped. this. I've seen when you have really excited, motivated people who are given the tools and resources to get the best solutions. They will blow you away. If you support them, they will excel beyond their wildest dreams, your wildest dreams, but, people tend to get scared or pull back and it's just
0: let them go let them wait or they get caught it or they get caught into the worst thing ever and that's resentment that that can
1: happen too
0: like if you're you're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving at some point you're going to have a breaking point and that you're going to snap like i had enough you ever seen like a an individual i had enough
1: um well, if it's not been communicated to them and they think they're not part of it, like they've been excluded, then
0: that's why the resentment's there. It wouldn't be resentment at that point. It could. You could be verbally or I wouldn't say verbally, I wouldn't be the right way. Um, lashing out in some type of nonverbal way, maybe kicking your leg, throwing something, taking it out on somebody else. However, but if you're resent, true resentment is harboring that inside where you don't ever communicate it. Well, that's
1: like drinking poison
0: and thinking you're
1: hurting the other person. Yeah. I
0: saw that. You ever heard that story about the snake with the snake in the saw or snake in the, I don't know, something like that. It was about anger. And so the snake would latch onto this like saw in a garage and it clipped him, right? But he latched onto it. And squeeze as hard he as could. We don't realize the more that he was squeezing, he was killing himself. So people don't realize that the anger is getting the best of it. And, once, and this is the, the, where I'm going to wrap up with, with you because I think it's important. And you mentioned all of it at the beginning about the anger. The anger comes from fear. But if I can teach people that there are certain triggers that they can avoid, but you can't just avoid the triggers. You're running away from it. What can I put there as a substitute with the same amount of substance? So here's my point. Like myself, I wouldn't say that I was an angry individual, but I had negative repercussions from my emotion that I had no idea what it was through conditioning. So, But when the other individuals that used to be able to push these buttons – now push the button, but there's a like, where's the button that <laughs> I've even removed the button. There's different hardware there now. I'm a different model. They're like, I used to say this to get a rise. Now I can hear them say what I, because now I have, I know how those boundaries are there now, but the boundaries weren't there before. And I was too emotionally charged. And if I'm emotionally charged, I can't live my true, authentic self.
1: All right. And what I want—I say one thing about that.
0: Yeah, uh, yes, I please. I find
1: when um, if people are trying to hide some part of them, if it's yeah, yeah home, there
0: it is. It's like
1: it's like having a beach ball and trying to keep it underwater. You know, how, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. You know, to keep mm-hmm. it from popping up over here, over here. So if it's I'm trying to hide some part of me to be inauthentic or some feelings or something, and I'd rather just let people like pop and see who they are and and talk about that that's far more interesting but w- when i look around and i see most people look pretty numb um it's like w- um why hide who you are you know it's like come to peace with it and move forward it's like tomorrow's another day move forward the only place to go is forward now is the present it's the only place of power the only place to do anything the past is gone and the future you can create so it's um,
0: oh wow that's so freaking powerful. You, you, when you were talking just then, um, earlier, just to loop back, just real quick, I wanted to mention it. You mentioned a roller coaster earlier. As you mentioned, roller coaster. There was a first roller coaster I ever went on. It was at Space Mountain. I think it's one of the first ones, but I have a vivid memory of it because we're talking about my granny, and she liked it, and I remember. There was a certain point at Space Mountain when you would come down, and it's like a real stoop, like it's like low. And she said, and They were to take your head and put it all the way down. The, the things are going to get you, knock your head off. I was like four or five years old. You know, like I was a kid, baby. Fast forward at least 25 years when they were my nieces. And we went on Space Mountain. And right before I got to that one point, I I I flinched. (laughs) Yep.
1: Muscle memory, right?
0: Isn't that crazy? Wow,
1: that's wild. Because it could it could
0: have been a multitude of things. It could have been the music. Mm -hmm. It could have been the experience. Could have been the feeling. Could have been the feeling of joy, being like I don't family. It could vacation. You don't realize how powerful that is. That's there to keep you alive. And so I hope anyone's got anything from this, and they learn one thing: one, be grateful. Just be grateful for everything—good, bad, ugly—even
1: yeah, even the bad. There's um, there's there's great. I think we I think um, challenges, hardships, difficulties—they're really um, they're gifts that are wrapped up that look really horrible. And I think for myself, my job is to unwrap them so they look like a gift. I can see the gift. And it takes, it takes some time, it takes effort, but I can always unwrap the gift and see what it is. And that's when I feel like I've come to peace with whatever happened to me or uh, an event. But, you know, even COVID, I was just like, okay, where are the opportunities? You know, there's zillions of opportunities. I mean, this is like messing so much of the country and the world up, there have to be opportunities. And that's where the future will lie in finding, you know, um, you know agile people who can, Problem solve in innovative
0: ways and pivot quickly and learn quickly. So, wow, that's um, I'm gonna leave it right there. That okay, I'm gonna leave it right there. That anything else you would like to add before we wrap up? Of course, my my te- my staff is phenomenal. They put everything in show notes and then we'll put the links there and we'll, promotions and all that good stuff. Awesome. But is there anything that you would like to add and leave with the listeners today? You've been a phenomenal guest. oh thank
1: you. Um, I would just like to say that. I have been told, and I believe it's true, that I can say anything to anybody and make it sound nice. So if you're avoiding a conversation that's difficult or uh, you don't want to tell somebody, somebody something or you have a part of you that you're pushing down and you want to let it pop, you don't know how, please call me or email me. I will make the time. You know, it's um, it came from a lot of my own angst and pain, but I do know how to say anything to anybody and make it sound nice. And, you know, I can... I can help you get further along if that's what you're stumbling on, and um, and if you can't, if you don't know how to make, if you can't say it in a kind, caring way, you know, the emotional intelligence says, do you have to say it now? Are you the person that should say it now? Could you agree and not say it? And could you just walk away? Because mostly, yeah. if we want to say something like we're bursting to say, and you have your, your emotions are not. Um, feeling like they're flowing nicely, it's probably not the kindest, best way to say it. And um, I just think there's too many people who have been hurt unintentionally by people. I mean, that. And, and, and one other thing, is this really bugs me. When people say, oh, I didn't mean to hurt them. I didn't oh, mean to bullshit. hurt you that. It's just like, you know, wait, you got to be accountable for how it lands out there. It takes some responsibility. How it lands out there. People say, well, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, but you just blasted five people in another department and you're walking away, no accountability. Come on. You're an adult. I mean, you have to, you have to watch as part of social, um, uh, social skills, and emotional intelligence. Well, how do people react? If they go back like this, or they fold their arms, they're not taking it well. So then just stop and say, "What? Well, Whoa! I didn't mean for this to come out with negative. How can I say what I need to say so you can hear it and maybe ask them how to say it or just stop. But please don't dump on people. Nobody needs to be dumped on. Everyone's having their own challenges in life. Don't you know, just if you can't say I bite, I bite the inside of my cheeks and just keep my mouth closed rather than bursting out because it's it's not. You know,
0: it's not pleasant for anybody, even if someone's a bystander
1: correct. walking
0: past and hearing it. I've learned. How you react to things dictates. Everything I need to know about you and your future, and I can predict the future. And the only way to predict the future is create it. And I know through me observing people over the years, it's made me a better man.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure.
0: A better uncle, a better father when, you know, obviously when all this stuff gets, you know, it was COVID stuff. And there's a lot of things going on right now in the world. You don't realize what people are holding on to right now and what they're dealing with. In silence, because you, I used to be a like a dancing, laughing, crying clown. Like inside, I was dying. I would go home. I would look for some type of way to suppress, and I would be the guy to behind the closed door have a little cry, and then walk out the room, because that was that was even conditioning. I wasn't allowed to show that when I was a kid. So,
1: and for many, many people were not. You know, uh, it's a weakness. Yeah, it's weakness, and it's like that's that's called being human.
0: Mm -hmm. My dad, even still today, if I start crying or one of us start crying and get upset, you're gonna make yourself sick. I said, no. Those these statements made me sick. Mm. But I wouldn't. You can't fight hate with hate. It's impossible
1: totally.
0: and you, you can't, you don't have to sacrifice yourself or your happiness to get someone's attention. How to get people's attention is to do something they've never seen before. Like you've seen, um, like uh, someone's been very volatile a whole life. You ever seen Okay. I'll make an, another example. You ever seen a pet that was hurt and like um, abused right. at uh, like a shelter right. If you walked up and try to touch that dog, what do you think is going to happen? Our an animal?
1: It's
0: going to flinch. Flinch first. Keep it alive, because history has proven.
1: Human beings when, are not safe.
0: Right. It's the same thing with humans. Absolutely. Same thing, especially relationships. All right, it has made me even the last five hundred and something days for myself is to, I've transformed into a, a, a better human not trying to get, trying to not just receive also as being able to recycle. I don't know, but I've learned so much from even this conversation. I appreciate you. God bless you. Um, Anything ever I can do for you, emotionally, physically, whatever, financially, business, whatever, I'm, I'm always here to be at service in some type of form or fashion. And, you know, you hear people say that, but I truly, I hope that you feel that through my energy. And I want to
1: say the same to you too.
0: I appreciate
1: it. I'm, I'm here in any way that I can help serve you. Um, it, would, it would be my pleasure. This broadcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact.